Appreciate your being here. And for those of you who may be visiting, we certainly appreciate your being here. I want to say, first of all, that we really, Carol and I really appreciate our being here. We appreciate you. We're blessed by you for being a part of this congregation. I, I know there's a lot of work being done, and I appreciate that. But there's also a lot of, of individuals who can step forward when the time comes, and, and we appreciate that as well. Now, what I'm going to be speaking about today is the spirit world. You know, some sermons we hear may only apply to a select few. This one applies to all of us. We're all going to die. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. In my lifetime, I've heard all kinds of comments about heaven, and I'm sure you've heard some of them as well. We can hear all kinds of statements about what the loved one is doing now in heaven. It may be fishing, it could be hunting, it could be playing golf, it may be having a party on Riverside. I've heard all kinds of things, and I know you have too. The scripture, though, tells us otherwise when we start looking into what the Bible has to say about this. You know, this passage that we... Uh, that. Um, was read here, there's so much material in that that we can garner from it. And I'm going to be referring to different parts of it as we go along here in our lesson. But you know this idea, when we start thinking about our death and our spirit, and we all have one, our spirit's going to depart. And it's going to be done at that last breath. I've been in rooms, in, in hospital rooms, and in the nursing home, and other places where you see people come to their last breath. And even though this spirit moves on, we don't see it, and we don't hear it. The only thing we may hear will be the last breath that that individual is taking, or has taken. But you know, in the spirit world, that's not the case as far as seeing. Now, our body, all of us no doubt have been to many funerals. We know that our body is deposited most of the time in the grave, in the ground. There are other ways I know cremation and other things that could be done. But that body is there. And so when we talk about Hades, we're not talking about the grave. Hades is something completely different. The word Hades means unseen, the unseen world. And we will not see it until we are there. And I'm going to go through here six different terms that we have in the Bible on this intermediate existence. And another thing that we need to keep in mind the judgment day has not come. I've heard people say, well, when you die, you go immediately to heaven. In fact, you remember the video we had, wasn't that last Sunday night, where the, it gave the percentage of people that believe in the Lord, like 40, around 40% of those who believe in the Lord, that he is Jesus and Savior. And then there was like 12% who did not have an answer, and the rest of them didn't think that Jesus existed as Lord at all. Even though that's true, 
You remember Jesus in Matthew 7, in about verse 13 and 14, and again in verse 22, when he talks about the two, the sheep and the goats, and the lost and the saved, the group that's going to be lost is in the, is in the majority. He mentions the word many. Many will go in the wide gate. And many will be there who think they are saved in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Many think they're going to be saved. And yet Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. And so when we look at these terms, we're talking about six different places. And I'm, uh, Cody's going to get the chart on a little bit in a few minutes. And we're going to see a, a, a chart that I've been able to pick up over the years. And it's something I think is very, very helpful. This statement I want you to remember. As we live, so shall we die. As we die, so shall we be judged. You remember in the scripture about concerning the spirit departing. Rachel in uh, 35, 18 of Genesis, Rachel was giving birth. And the Bible says there, just before verse 18, that she was in severe labor. And then in verse 18, the scripture says, it came about as Sarah, was, <clears throat> as she was giving that birth, that her soul departed. And then in parentheses, for she died. There's your best description of, of death. The soul is going to depart. Most of the time, the soul and the spirit are used synonymously. There are times when they are dis distinguished differently. But when that soul leaves, that's when death, of course, is going to occur. And in chapter 25, just a few chapters earlier, you may remember that when Abraham died, the scripture there, I think it's uh, verse 8 in Genesis 25, Abraham died, or excuse me, Abraham had, uh, had his last breath and then he died at a ripe old age. I thought it was interesting that's in the scripture. It's the New American Standard anyway. He died at a ripe old age of 175. And then the scripture says, and he was gathered together with his family. Now some will say, well, they just took him out and buried him where the rest of the family was buried. No, that wasn't the case. Because Abraham was asked to leave his environment where he was, at his death he was 500 miles east of where his family is located. But, and we see now for Rachel that her spirit or her soul departed and that Abraham was gathered with his family. So now let's look at these six terms briefly in the word of God that uh, talk about this intermediate existence. The first two, and I use them together because Sheol and Hades are the first two we're listing. They are synonymous. Sheol is the Hebrew language, comes from the Hebrew language, and Hades from the Greek. But they are identical in that it is a, a resting place. I, I shouldn't say resting because those who are lost are not likely to be, they're not resting at all. But anyway, it's the, it's the place where our spirit will be taken. Now, <clears throat> there are some who feel that uh, that area then would just be the grave. And I've already stated that is not the case. The, the grave is certainly not Hades. The Hadean world 
will be where the good and the bad are together with a big wide gulf separating them, the righteous, the unrighteous. And so when we, when we pass on from this life then, we're going to be in the Hadean world, but we'll, we're looking out at a couple of terms here in just a second, which will distinguish these two areas. Uh, <clears throat> you remember on, on Peter on the day of Pentecost, and this gets back to what Dennis was referring to in class this morning, in 227 of Acts, he's quoting 1610 of Psalms. And, and he's saying here that this is referring then to Christ. Ble uh, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Peter's applying this to Jesus. But Jesus was not in hell. He was not in the place where the unfaithful or the unrighteous are as well. Uh, as I've already said, it's the general term that we use referring to this uh, area of, of the departed spirits. There's a separation in the evil, the good and the bad, the righteous, the unrighteous. And so now we come to this third term, and that's paradise. Paradise, you remember Jesus in Luke 23 said, after there was the discussion among the, uh, between the two thieves, you remember, one said, if you're Jesus, why don't you come off the cross and save us? The other, in essence, said, you know, why do you say this? Because we're getting our due reward. But to the one he asked Jesus, be, you know, please be with me or take me, I'm paraphrasing again, that's in 2343 of Luke. Jesus' response was, today you will be with me in paradise. And so we're getting closer then to this area where we know the difference where the good will be and those who are unrighteous. Now, in, in Genesis 2.8, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. You may wonder, how does that have to do with, what does it have to do with anything? Eden and paradise are synonymous. Those two are synonymous. We read a little about Eden in Genesis, the Garden of Eden. We know it had to be a wonderful, wonderful place. That lets us know that paradise is, is as well. But that's, that's one location then out of these, or at least one of the terms. Now, as we move on looking at the next term or two, if I can get that page to turn, then the next one is third heaven. You'll remember that this was a term used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. And I want to read those verses 2 through 4. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up in the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, he was caught up into, here's our word, paradise. And heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Biblical scholars tell us that that was most likely Paul himself who was in that situation. We don't know. It could have been after a stoning that he'd had. We don't know. The Lord chose not to let us know. Now, back to Luke 16, as was read earlier. Verse 22 says, The poor man died and was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Remember that. Lazarus, the poor man, 
His spirit was carried into Abraham's bosom. The scripture goes on to say, and the rich man also died, and he was buried. That's all we hear. That's all we've got there so far. You know, and I know, that in his position, being very rich, he probably had a very elaborate funeral. But yet the scripture just chose to say, he died, and he was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Lazarus is comfortable now. And, of course, the rich man is in torment. You know, in this situation, and, it, we, and this is the only, Luke is the only one who records this story for us in, in the New Testament. But we have here two men who lived, two men who died, and two men now are in opposite situations. Lazarus, Abraham said, is comforted. He's comforted. He's comfortable. He's in a good situation. The rich man, however, as you read on, you'll read further, and, and, and as was read, he asked if Lazarus could go dip his little finger in water and come back and put it on his tongue. This is the rich man requesting that. And, of course, the story goes on. We'll get to that a little bit later. In Matthew 22, 31 through 32, Jesus says here, I am the God of Abraham. Notice the present tense, I am. I am the God of, Abraham, of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We know he's the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. And apparently Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all others are in paradise then. That's where Paul was for a short time. And I'm assuming it was Paul from, from 2 Corinthians 12. You remember the story in Matthew 17, the transfiguration of Christ? You remember that he, he took Peter and, and, and uh, uh, James are with him. I think I'm right on that. Anyway, in that transfiguration, you remember Moses and Elijah were there. And, and, and Peter recognized them immediately. He knew them. But the point here is, where did they come from? It had to have been paradise. And they, when they left there, undoubtedly they went back to paradise. Because all of the righteous who die are in paradise. Now, that's true from Adam and Eve to this point. That's been several years. That's been billions of people. Paradise is still existing. And because we, we know that there's a good a place for the good people, we obviously can discern the fact that there has to be a place for those who are not so good. You and I have probably worked with some like that, haven't we? We read in history, anyway, of some like that. How many of you think Hitler's in paradise? Not me. You know, I, history says that probably six to seven million Jews lost their lives at his hands. That's not the only one, but that's a good example anyway. In Hades, though, we go back to this. This man, being in torment, he, the scripture says he lifts up his eyes. One of the commentaries I checked seemed to indicate that maybe this area here is a lower realm. And this area, by the way, is called Tartarus. We're going to get to that in just a second. 
But this is where he wants the tip of the, uh, the water on the tip of the finger and so forth. But you know what Abraham told him? He said, between us, or, or besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm there, or a great gulf. And he said, they will not be able to pass over here. We can't pass over there. That gulf. And Cody, if you will, go ahead and turn on that chart, and we'll let it be getting on, warm up, or whatever. And uh, I'm glad I got glasses. I still can't read that one back there. <laughs> but at any rate, I've got copies that I can have made if you want one. But anyway, as you look at the chart, we'll get back to that in a minute. But 2 Peter 2.4 is where we get this word uh, <clears throat> from the Greek, Tataris. It comes from a uh, Tartarosa is the verb form. And so Tartarus is the noun from that. But in, in 2 Peter 2, 4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them down into hell, keep that point in mind, and committed them to the pits of darkness reserved for judgment. If you use the King James Version, and this one is, is from the New American Standard, this is just, uh, it is not correct here. It should be Hades. But at any rate, cast them into hell. The word is, is uh, Tartarus. And if you look on this chart, in the middle at the bottom, you'll see there, if you can read that, I'm not sure about this one behind me, but if you can read that chart, can you, by the way? Or Okay, great. You'll see there uh, at the bottom, it's got things like, there are names like Tartarus, demons, rebellious angels, spirits of evil men, the rich man, the other thief, and billions more. And if you'll go back up to the top part of that under paradise, you'll see third heaven that I've already mentioned, Abraham's bosom. And then we've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, angels, spirits of the righteous men made perfect. Now that's, that, this part, this center part is current right now. We aren't in it, obviously, because we're here. We've not died. But that time is coming. Hebrews 9, 27, and I've already mentioned You'll notice to the left side there, the land of the living, that's where we are. And then when we die, we're going to go into one of, of these two areas. And uh, there's another term that's used, um, and that's abyss. And I'll get to that in a minute, in a moment as well. But Jude 6 echoes what, what uh, I just read to you there from uh, Peter. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode... He is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Back to your chart, back to the one up here. The one, everything, as you can see to the right, is after the judgment day. That has not occurred, and we're going to be talking more about that tonight, too, by the way. But this word abyss is an interesting one. It's uh, a Greek term. It's synonymous, though, with Tartarus. And the negative side of it, because as we go on here, we're going to see the other side. On one occasion when Jesus was in the country of the Gerasenes, you remember he was confronted by a man and he had an unclean spirit. They named him Legion. That name stood for many, many demons who had entered the man. And they spoke to Jesus. I think that's interesting as well. Obviously, that occurred in that day and age. It doesn't now. Uh, 
But here's what Luke 8.31 says. They were employing him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Why do you suppose they were asking Jesus, don't send us back to the abyss? I think the answer is they've already been there. They were there probably previously. Uh, some would say that we might conclude that the abyss refers only to the realm of demons. But I want you to listen to this. In Romans 10, 17, here's the positive side. <clears throat> it does not appear to have the same negative connotation. Here's what Paul says. And, and listen, please. Who will descend, that's descend, into the abyss? And he goes on to say that is to bring Christ up from the dead. If the abyss refers only to the negative side, then we have to ask this question. Would Paul consider a place of the dwelling of demons and evil spirits as a place to look for Christ? Certainly not. The context seems to apply this term as merely just a place of the dead. So we probably are safe in saying then that maybe abyss is synonymous with Sheol or with Hades. Uh, we can see, though, right here at this chart, and back to it again now, the unrighteous will find them, themselves in Tartarus, where they'll experience suffering. That suffering is going on right now. You know, the Bible, Jesus, on one occasion, in Matthew, talks about wailing and gnashing of teeth. You ever thought about that? You ever thought what that would require? How bad would it have to be for wailing and gnashing of teeth? That's in Matthew 13, by the way. I'll read those verses, uh, 41 and 42. The Son of Man will send forth His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them, notice this now, in the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want you to just think for a second here with me on this, just how bad that is. I want, I want to conclude here by reading the definition of hell. I got this from Nave's Topical Bible. Here's what it says. Relentless accusing conscience, unrelieved guilt... Remorse, sorrow, regret, isolation, agony, suffering, punishment by God described as fire, darkness, where there's gnashing of teeth and weeping and wailing forever. You know what's bad about this? Oh, that's horrible. You know what's bad? It's not going to end. Figuratively speaking, there is an unending calendar hanging on the wall for these people. For those who do not obey Jesus, those who do not serve Him, those who do not give their life to Him. You know what's, what's amazing to me in, in Matthew 7, 21 through 23 is that those folks listed all the things. They said, well, we've done miracles. We've done many mighty works. We've prophesied. You know what Jesus said? Many will be lost. And he goes on to say, you are 
Depart from me, those of you who work lawlessness. You ever evaluate yourself what, you're, what you are doing to serve Christ? Are we really working or are we just we come to the building a couple, three times a week? You see, if we give our life to him, then we can be in that group hearing that statement, well done. And as I say that, I won't read the other description here. This was of heaven. Uh, it's more than we can fathom. It's very attractive, and you will never want to leave that place. That biblical description of heaven is unending, unlimited joy, bliss, happiness, satisfaction, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, no loss, no remorse. It will be sheer joy forever. Just think about those words for a few minutes, those adjectives. The fact that we can experience that. And that's why, you know, you remember Paul on one occasion said, I just soon die and go on and be of the Lord. Why did he say that? He said, because it would be much better. He may have written after, after he'd been there on that, as we read 14 years ago, when he made that statement in 2 Corinthians. But think about it, folks, and, and we'll finish this lesson this evening. But if you are outside of Christ, if, if you've never been baptized into Christ, you don't have any hope. And I know that's blunt, but Jesus said it, and I'm just repeating it. We try to encourage as many as we can to take the Lord on in baptism, to serve him, and to be a good servant. You know what Matthew 25, the last parable is all about? That's the one where Jesus said, you know, that you've done this, you've done, you've fed, you've visited, and all these things. And they said, well, when did we do all this? And he said, inasmuch as you've done this unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Those are things that we need to be doing. We need to be helping. We need to be cultivating our life that we are good servants. So what's your story? What's your life right now? Do you need to repent? Do you need to be baptized into Christ? If so, we'll ask you to come forward while we stand and sing this song. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus, call her.